This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in the Utopia Football Podcast. It is here. It is draft week. We're just a few days away from the draft. We're recording this early Monday afternoon as we speak. And uh, so much stuff to get into. We may do bonus episodes this week because it is such a huge week, especially for the Houston Texans. As we welcome you in, Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast. Mornings on Sports Radio 610, joined as always by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, the senior Texans columnist for SportsRadio610.com and, of course, GalleriesSports.com, John McClain. John, is this the biggest draft in Texans history? Oh, I think the first draft in Texans history was the biggest because there was so much interest in the franchise being an expansion franchise, having the first overall pick. But I think that it'll be hard to top the first season on anything until they actually get get beyond the second round of the playoffs. But this, because of where they are with D'Amico coming in as a head coach, and people are hoping they finally turn the corner, and the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel is not a train. They're real fired up about it. And the only thing that could be that could quash it would be not taking a quarterback in the first round, unless they think they're going to actually trade for Trey Lance, even though I still think there's no way he could be traded considering Brock Purdy may not play this season. So, John, let's start there because the big news over the weekend as it relates to the draft and the Texans was that Will Levis moved up to the top of the odds board for um for the Texans or well for the second pick in the draft minus 140 let's keep in mind by the time the draft rolls around the Texans may not own the second pick in the draft they could possibly trade the pick and whoever's moving up might take Levis I've always thought John like not always thought but in thinking about this over the weekend especially because it's something that you've said all along which is I just can't imagine them not coming away from this draft with a quarterback and like a real quarterback not some guy they take on day three to throw into the room with Case Keenum and Davis Mills Levis being the favorite, even though he's somebody that would be very polarizing to Texan fans because we're not sure how good he is, Levis being the favorite to me makes a lot more sense than Will Anderson being the favorite did last week just because of the need for a quarterback on this team. What are your thoughts? I noticed our buddy Jimmy Shapiro just sent out a new thing saying the odds are the Texans are going to draft a defensive lineman. So I think that – 
I'm going to have my last mock draft. And by the way, I just posted a mock for all 12 Texans picks. And I had them taking Will Anderson with the first pick and and Will Levis with the second one. Would you post that, and John? With number 12. And that's on uh, uh, gallerysports.com. And so I mocked all 12 of their draft choices. But I think in my final official draft, I'm going to go with Levis at number two because I've, I've I I can't remember if I told you this, Sean. I talked to uh, a longtime NFL offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, who said he'd studied all the quarterbacks and he liked Levis. I mean, uh, Hendon Hooker number two, and I just don't see Hendon Hooker going second, but I could see Levis. And I think what I may do. Vegas isn't wrong a lot and go by what Vegas is saying. I think I'm going to mock Levis to the Texans at two and then going back to the way I originally did it, quarterback at two, I said Stroud, and then go back to an edge rusher at 12. I am, John, I, I, you know, the Levis news is interesting to me. I think worth noting, in addition to the odds that you were just talking about that Jimmy sent us, Jimmy Shapiro, who represents betonline.ag, that a defensive lineman, they just had – the odds on what position each team will take with their first pick. The only two teams not represented on there are the Colts and the Panthers because it seems to be a foregone conclusion. Both of those teams are going to take a young quarterback with their first pick. But the rest of the teams are on there. And defensive linemen being first, I think it's also worth noting, John, that, yes, Levis is minus 140 at the top of the list. But also, maybe people didn't notice, but Will Anderson's not even the first defensive lineman on the odds board anymore for the Texans. Tyree Wilson of Texas Tech is plus 275. Will Anderson is down at plus 400. So a little longer odds for Anderson. I'm doing a mock draft on CBS Sports Radio today on Zach Gelb's show. Um, I'm representing the Texans at two. I'm going to take Tyree Wilson in that mock draft. That's a good pick. There's a lot of people who think he's going second overall. The only thing that bothers me about Tyree Wilson, Will Anderson's done it on a on a – outstanding basis for two years and Wilson has not come close to that. He got hurt in November. His, his is based on potential rather than production and people like him because he's big. He's long armed. He's quick. If you want to slide him up and down the line, you can do that too. Where Anderson is strictly an edge rusher based on speed. Some people think he might have trouble with the long armed offensive tackles that he gets into and he can't, get away but i think tyree wilson's a great pick um and yeah and wilson wilson's had some yeah he's had injury issues he hasn't been as productive as will anderson i think john will anderson just he plays on a defense with probably like six other first round picks out there you know what i mean tyree wilson is drawing a lot of attention in the games i watch him the highlights i watch of him and the games i watch of him on tv he's beating double teams he's getting double teamed He's he can bump him inside if you want to on passing downs or whatever. Like he, um, I I really and it sounds like you like Tyree Wilson too. It sounds like I'm preaching to the choir, but um, but I I think there's something to that. And then that said, all of a sudden twelve becomes a spot that they have to take a quarterback. John, if they if they don't come away, let me get your thoughts on this. I, I said today on the show that forget about the first day, the weekend of the draft. And the, the, the amount of time after the draft, you know, the several weeks after the draft, really the, the amount of time on the calendar leading up to training camp, I think the only viable solutions, 
various degrees of viability. The only pool of quarterbacks potentially available to the Texans that the average fan could talk themselves into for the upcoming season on this team would be any of the five top quarterbacks in this draft, you know, from Bryce Young down to Hendon Hooker and the three guys in between. I think, I think the, I think the, the normal thinking fan can, can go, okay, I can get excited about Hendon Hooker. Some won't, not all of them will. People would get more excited about Bryce Young, but Hendon Hooker, I think is above that line. And as far as quarterbacks potentially available already in the league, whether it's free agency or trade, I would say Lamar Jackson, Trey Lance, maybe Mac Jones might be the floor on this whole thing. Outside of those eight guys, John, if they don't come away from this weekend or the next several weeks in a trade with one of those eight guys, it's going to be pretty miserable going to training camp this year. That's why I don't think it'll happen. They have no interest in Mac Jones. Patriots don't want to trade him. They uh, He's been in there busting his butt every day. Bill Belichick hadn't come out and supported him because they, for whatever reason, they're not going to put their future on Bailey Zappi. And I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if Casario doesn't trade back up for a quarterback if indeed he takes Tyree Wilson a second. Uh, and the thing about Will Levis, it's, it's, you know, Mel Kuyper's had him as a top quarterback all along. Then he had the 33rd team, which is run by almost all NFL people who are out of jobs. And uh, they've had him as a third overall prospect. So there are people that like Levis for different reasons, and there's people that don't. He's a polarizing uh, player. But it's like I told you on uh, your CBS show, it's like having an ugly baby. Yeah, everybody knows that baby's ugly in the family, but once they get used to it, they're going to get behind it. They're going to watch it stumble and fall and help it up and watch that baby mature. So to me, that's like Will Levis is like that love, ugly baby. And there's been no talk at all whatsoever about the Texans and Anthony Richardson. I don't no. think they're going to do that, but they could. You got a head coach with a six-year contract. That's the kind of guy that should be able to take a project like him. But I think he's too big of a project. And so I think it could be Levis or Hooker, whether you trade back up to get him or take Hooker. There's a lot of people who don't think Hooker's going to get past the Titans at number 11. And, and the Trey Lance thing, since Brock Purdy said last week, two or 10 days ago, he might not be able to play this year. Niners have not said that, but he had Tommy John surgery. And so that's got to scare the heck out of people. And it would make no sense that they give up on Trey Lance unless they're going to draft another quarterback and hope he's Brock Purdy till Purdy can play again or they have a lot of confidence in Sam Darnold. And I don't see them giving $230 million guaranteed to Lamar Jackson. But, no. you know, you never know. That would certainly shake things up, wouldn't it? And it would be much smarter because they give up their number one picks the next two years, which should be a lot lower and they would retain the Browns' number one pick next year. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
John, does Levis, from what from what you know of observing Casario the last couple of years, and however much you want to paint him with a Patriot brush in addition to that, and from what you know from knowing D'Amico Ryans and covering D'Amico Ryans, does Will Levis seem like the type of quarterback that they would like? No, I have no idea, Sean. You know, if you look, everybody talks about Frank Reich, all his regular starters being 6-4 or more. When is Nick Casario had a short quarterback? When I say short, I'm talking about six one. You know, his quarterback all those decades was Brady. Matt Castle played a season. Then uh when he left, um uh, uh they took Mac Jones. Was Mac Jones there with no, he wasn't there when yeah, he was. This is Nick's third year. So they drafted Mac Jones, but he's what, six three, yeah. something like that. And so you would say and D'Amico, you know, Brock Purdy was, they list him at 6'1. They say he's about six foot and a half. So I think maybe we're putting way too much on it on size. You know, you can sell Levis's his arm. He's tough. He's a great runner. He runs well. He's physical. He's smart. He got his degree while he was at Penn State in three mm-hmm. years, and he's about to get a master's. And, and, uh, on that S2 cognition test that, Brian, really good. Bryce Young had 98. Will Levis had a 93. And last year, when he threw a lot of interceptions, he'd lost two starting linemen, two starting receivers, and he got a new coach. So maybe that had something to do with it. But the thing is, you know, the, the teams, they look at every single throw. They look at situations and talk to people. So if they take Levis, you know, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna howl about the ugly baby, but then I'll get behind it. Um. Is C.J. Stroud to Houston dead, do you think, John? Wouldn't it be something if they took him after all this? Uh, yes. Everybody <laughs> says it is. Everybody says, you know, if the Texans take Tyree Wilson, then all of a sudden you'd think the Cardinals are going to get bombarded with people wanting a choice of the other four quarterbacks, and they'll they, it'll be a really good deal for them. But if the Texans take a second quarterback off the board, no matter if it's Stroud or Levis or one of the others, then uh, Arizona still, I'm guessing, is going to be a team like the Colts oh, yeah. will give them something to swap places because the Colts don't want the choice of the fourth or fifth quarterbacks, I don't think. John, I um, this is a good lead into I got two more things I want to hit with you before we get to a few for real or fugazis because you and I are going to do a bunch of episodes this week probably. Um, but trading – the Colts trading, any sort of trades up in that upper stratosphere of the draft where the Texans are. I I actually, if it's going to be Tyree Wilson for the Texans, I would actually like to see them trade back with the Colts. I'd love to see them get an asset from the Colts, whether it's the Colts' second-round pick, something, and let the Colts have to move up and flinch and take their quarterback a choice. Clearly, it's a quarterback the Texans don't like very much. Otherwise, they would be taking that quarterback. They still get their guy in either Tyree Wilson or Willie Anderson or whoever at four. They pick up a pick from the Colts, and the, and then we get to watch and hope that that quarterback fails even more than we would be hoping for it if some team out of the division took them. I would like to see that, John. You know, forget about in the division. Do a trade back to four. Get your edge rusher there, and you pick up an extra, probably like a two. You know, move up from four to two up there. Probably a, the Colts' second-round pick maybe. Feels like it, or maybe their next year's first. Something like that to move up. I don't know. What are your thoughts on trading with the Colts? I got no problem with it. They'd still have their choice of either 
edge rusher because Arizona is going to trade that pick to a team that wants a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And so the Texans would be four with top three quarterbacks gone. They might even trade down again. Uh, Let's say Seattle. Seattle wanted a certain player like Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson. So then I'm hoping they use some of that to go back up from 12 and get a quarterback because it's going to be depressing if Nick Casario does not get a quarterback in the first round. Yep. Um, So last thing on that front, I want to read you something that Peter King said in his Monday morning, or I keep wanting to say Monday morning quarterback, football morning in America. He did a mock draft. Um, He had the Texans taking Tyree Wilson at two. He had the Texans at 12, John, doing something you did, which is having them take Hendon Hooker at 12. I think you were the first one on that train. Um, He says this, though. I'm not going to read the whole paragraph, just the first part. Guess which AFC South team has been doing work on Hooker in the last week or so? A clue? It's the team that's passing on C.J. Stroud. The implication there being that maybe the Texans are working overtime, doing homework on Hendon Hooker. What's your sense on that, John? Is that a lot of teams do? Is that something pretty normal for teams, or could it be because he has a medical issue? It could be medical overtime that they're working. What do you make of Peter King's comment Everybody's there? going to want an update on his, on his physical and the thing about Hooker, you know, he's 6'3", two, about 217 or 18. He can run. He's got a really strong arm. He's accurate. The knock against him, other than he turned 25 on on the 1st of January, but, you know, there's other quarterbacks who are older, 25 years old, because today, uh, because of that extra year that they were given, they just are, are coming into the NFL older. A lot of them are. So, um, they said that Hooker played in Josh Heupel's offense, which required him to read only half the field. Well, that was what he was supposed to do, and he read it pretty damn well. He beat Alabama. He had a great game. I can't remember if it was Florida, LSU, somebody. But uh, the key is, can he do what's necessary to learn to use the whole field? Now, on that S2 cognition test in which – C.J. Stroud scored the lowest by far at 18. He scored, I think it was 40 or 30. It was in the mid-40s. It was like 46%. Anthony Richardson was 74. And uh, so uh, it seems to me he's not been asked to read half the field because he can't read the whole. It's just that's Josh Heupel's offense. And his one longtime coordinator told me, he said, go watch him starting at Virginia Tech. He had to read the whole field. People are talking about what he did at Tennessee, but he started at Virginia Tech. So his stock has gone up. It wouldn't surprise me at all five of them are gone. And that means he better, Casario better be prepared to trade up unless he wants to get embarrassed and not have a quarterback in the first round. Yeah, I'd have a hard time believing that five go in the top 11, but who knows? Maybe, you know, this. Uh, when five went in the top 15 a couple of years ago, that was like bananas. And this is this would be five in the top 11. They've got the ammo to move up if they need to. So if he wants it bad enough, he can. I think the thing, John, that I like about Hendon Hooker is that um, there's three knocks against him, and none of them have anything to do with a certain physical attribute or skill set. Like there's no knock on his arm. There's no knock on his accuracy. There's no knock on his ability to, to maneuver the pocket or his legs or, you know, the criticism of him is his age. He's coming off an ACL and the system that he played in at Tennessee. You know, like, so that's like, those are all, there's nothing you can do about his age, but I, I'm not bothered by the fact that he's 25. I think you can make a counter argument that 
it might be a good thing that he's 25. You know, he's, he's got he, a lot of experience. He, maturity, John, just general maturity. Think of 25 versus a 22 or 21 year old. Years, he's still just going to be 35. Case yeah. Keenum's 35. Yeah, the age doesn't bother me at all. If he keeps himself in shape, he can play for a long, long time. The ACL doesn't bother me. That's, you know, that that's a that's a pretty standard injury nowadays in 2023. It's not anything that, I mean, the only thing it might do is keep him out of mini camps or OTAs or something like that. But I, I do believe he'd be ready for the season. Um, and then the system is a big one, especially it's the double whammy of, okay, he played in this system at Tennessee, the air raid system. And now he's coming into a system that I know Seth will tell, will tell you, will tell people that it takes a year to really get fluent in playing in that Kubiak-Shanahan system. Unless you're Brock Purdy. Unless you're Brock Purdy who scored 152% on the S2 test. <laughs> so people, that's, that's what the legend did. He, he was in the 152nd percentile out of 100. They like it to, to guys to start a lot of games. Yeah. Hooker started a lot of games. He sure did. And he played in two different systems. And they don't need him the first year anyway. I think I think the best thing is have a quarterback like Kenan Hooker. Gives you an excuse to start Mills. And then uh, if you're bad, you got a reason to be bad. And then you get another high pick. Ride it out. Yep. Yep. All right, John, you ready for some for real or fugazis here? I'm ready. All right. For real or fugazi, this is a segment John and I do typically on a Monday where I read a sentence. I read it as if it's fact. If John agrees with it, he says for real. If he disagrees with it, he gives you a hearty fugazi. Fugazi. Italian for counterfeit, Italian for false, Italian for Sean, you are a fraud. All right, John, I've got a few of these here. Let's rapid fire them. The Texans will get a QB in the NFL draft, but it'll be on day two. For real or Fugazi? Fugazi. They're going to get a quarterback in the first round. Okay, okay. Care to guess which pick? I think you just said you're mocking Will Levis at two as of right now. I think I'm going to go Levis at two this time just so I can look back and say, well, uh, I got this one on my third mock draft. Um, John, uh, what will the reaction at the Miller Outdoor Theater be when Will Levis gets picked second overall? Ooh. I think so too. I think I think there's going to be booze. I really do. It's like JJ Watt. Yep. Okay. Well, if that ter- it turns out like that, then we good. Uh, I will say this about uh, uh, Will Levis: after having milk toast Davis Mills press conferences for the last two years, Levis at least has a personality about him, right? He does, but once. Once Nick Casario neuters him, I can't imagine he's the name ranking serial number type, but gosh, he's got to be better than Mills. Yeah, got to be. Are you kidding me? A, a, a broom with a bucket for a head is better than Mills at a press conference. <laughs> All right. Uh, next one, John. The S2 cognition test will cause CJ Stroud to slide below not just Brock Young, but at least two other quarterbacks in this NFL draft for real or for Gazy. Oh, uh, I'll say Fugazi. Oh. Everybody thinks he's going to go uh, second, whether it's to uh, Indianapolis. Uh, and, but if he falls past Indianapolis and the Texans take a quarterback, then people are going to point to that. Bob McGinn, who's covered the NFL for almost 40 years, Bob has a column on uh, – golong.com position by position and he analyzes that test and he quotes a lot of scouts and NFL people saying they think Stroud's going to be a bust 
it's just kind of ugly. And they don't really say it's all because of the test, but they think that test tells you much more than the Wonderlic did. I hope Stroud has a great career just to stick it up there. You know, what? I don't. He's probably going to wind up in the division. I hope he sucks. <laughs> if they pass him up, they deserve what they get. I guess. I guess. We'll see. Um, but I saw that article with McGee. I mean, there's John, he's got executives in that article basically saying that this is a red flag galore for CJ Stroud. Like they wouldn't touch him. They'd have him off the board. That's crazy. Um, all right, next one. The Titans are looking to trade up for a QB, for real or Fugazi? For real. They are looking to trade up. I don't think they're going to be able to trade up with the Texans or the Cardinals. It just costs too much and they can't afford it. But I could see them going up with, uh, oh, the Raiders at seven. All right, next one. It's a deep receiver class in the draft this year, John. Quentin Johnston is going to fall to the top of the second round and the Texans will get their guy at 33. For real or Fugazi? For real. I have him taking Jalen Hyatt over Johnston because he's a great deep threat. Had 15 touchdown passes from Hendon Hooker last year. But Johnston being as big as he is and as fast as he is, I think you get great value of, for him or Hyatt with a 33rd pick. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, for real or Fugazi? Let's get an Astros one in here, John. For real or Fugazi? When Jose Altuve comes back, Mauricio Dubon can be the Astros version of Marwin Gonzalez, minus the power. For real or Fugazi? For real, because he's not going to play. What are the odds that when Altuve comes back in June, that he's still going to be hitting over 300? I'm guessing he's having his day in the sun. He'll come back down to earth at some point, but he's proved he can play center field. He can turn a double play. Mm -hmm. If you can play center field and you can turn a double play, you should be able to play just about anywhere to me, other than third, just because you have to have such quick reactions. He can play anywhere in the outfielder. So I think he would, he wouldn't be as valuable to the team as Gonzalez was because when they put him in any position, shortstop, I don't care where, I always felt like he was going to do a good job. But Dubon's got to be one of the biggest surprises in Major League Baseball. No doubt. 17-game hitting streak. Well, yeah, Marwin had pop, too. I mean, Mar people forget Marwin led the 2017 team in RBIs. He had like 90 RBIs that year. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, Dubon's been great. John, I, one thing I didn't think I would be doing uh, at this stage of the Astros season when the season started, Googling longest Astros hitting streak in team history – because Mauricio Dubon is, uh, well, it's still 13 more games he needs to, to tie it. Willie Tavares in 2006. I had someone ask me a question, John. What do the Astros do if Dubon's still on this hitting streak when Altuve comes back? I'm like, well, if he's still on this hitting streak when Altuve comes back, it means he's broken Joe DiMaggio's record. So let's just settle <laughs> down a little bit. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing there's a chance, besides getting a minor league rehab assignment, it wouldn't surprise me if Altuve didn't get a couple of games at DH just to get back in the swing of things at yeah. the plate. But Dubon could become the designated hitter or plays left field, swap out with uh, Alvarez, but then what do you do with Brantley? And Corey Jokes, Jokes, man, oh, man, that yeah. guy's been good. That, that, I think that is the biggest surprise, and the best things happened to the Astros is Dubon, who started at the end of the order, back half of the order, and, of course, Jokes did too. Those guys have been huge surprises. Now, if they could just get Maldonado up to 170, 
Yeah, is I was watching Sean Murphy. I'm thinking, what would it be like to have a catcher oh. that actually hit? Yeah, I, John, they're going to have to think that through, man, because Maldonado's not been great defensively this year either. He's got some pass balls. He's not been throwing guys out like he normally does, but he's hitting like he normally does, which is not good. I, you know, it's not like Yiner Diaz is Mike Piazza or anything like that. But I mean, they're going to have to think that through, uh, you know, about how they split those reps up at catcher. It's dusty, so I'm sure Maldonado is going to get the benefit of the doubt, but. That's going to get frustrating as the season goes on. If Maldonado's not playing defense at an elite, 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 elite level, he cut out soda and sweets in the offseason. I Lost say we just send him. Pounds. Yeah, I say we just send him a big basket of candies and say, just do what you've been doing coming into this year. <laughs> Ain't broke. Don't fix it. Well, the fact is, he's not getting any younger. He's 36. I think he'll be 37 this season. Yeah. And, you know, not a lot of catchers play older than that, especially when you couldn't hit to begin with. And so right now, when you got Hensley at second and Molly at catcher, those are automatic outs. Yep. All right, last one, John. No way in hell John McClain pays for a blue check mark. For real, oh, for Yeezy. For real, I would never pay for a blue check mark. I don't even pay any attention to that stuff. I I'm, I haven't started to lose followers since I lost my blue check. And as far as I'm concerned, Elon Musk can just stick that blue check right up his butt. <laughs> um. What are you up to now for followers, John? Do you check that? Oh, yeah. I look at that. I'm, I'm at like 151. Oh, nice. I've been up to 152, but I'm at 151 now. Uh oh, what I did need, you do? Did you go on and I say, need, did you say I something critical, John? Lose some followers? Yeah, I don't know what I mainly, I think I don't tweet enough. I just retweet a lot. Uh, but, but around the drafts, starting now through the end of the draft, I'll be tweeting a lot of my opinions you're at 150,887 yeah i so, lost yeah. 200 more since wow. yesterday wow i'm gonna look and see what you balloon yep. yeah yeah man i think i've been tweeting about fox and uh <laughs> and carlson and uh lemon getting fired in the 800 million lawsuit thing. oh my god so, yeah i try to stay above the fray on that stuff i do too uh, yeah that's wise uh john what do you got going on on your various platforms I have on uh com. I have my uh, Texans 12 picks mocked. Uh, and then I'll have another mock draft on Wednesday, my seventh and final. I'll have a column on the Texans on Tuesday for SportsRadio610.com. And I'll be writing columns every day for one or the other till uh, next Tuesday. Okay. Well, there you go. And a lot of good I'll stuff. I'll have Utopia Football Podcast or Utopia Podcast. On uh, sportsradio610.com. Yes, absolutely. Let's um, let's remind the people that we're going to do a mailbag later this week. We're going to do a mailbag the day before the draft. So get your final draft questions in for Wednesday. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. John, maybe you and I do a little mini mock draft tomorrow when we bust out this pod. How, we, how you and I think we'll go back and forth in the – how we think the first 12 picks are going to go in this thing, maybe. That sounds great. I look we'll, forward to it. We'll do that tomorrow. Yeah. So we'll we'll uh, we'll knock that out tomorrow. A little uh I say emergency pod. I would say bonus podcast, uh, because it's such a big week. One of the biggest weeks in Texans history, the draft, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. John McClain and I will be back with you guys at least a couple more times this week. And then on the heels of the draft, once it's all over, we'll obviously have a huge episode summing up all the things the Texans did 
in the draft. Uh, so with that, big thanks to Figgy Fig for getting the podcast out to each and every one of you. Click that subscribe button if you don't already, and you'll automatically get the podcast dropped to you wherever it is you listen to your podcast. We appreciate that. Appreciate all you subscribing. It's an exciting time. Uh, and um, be ready. We'll be back at you. It looks like tomorrow. So uh, appreciate it. Tell a friend. For the Hall of Famer, John McClain, I am Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will talk to all of you multiple times later this week here on the Utopia Football Podcast. Take care, everybody.